0: Have you ever imagined something that wasn't entirely accurate? A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. There are some times in life when we use our imaginations and freak ourselves out. Some people don't like doing that. Others don't mind, just like how some people love being scared and others not so much. As you may already know, I kind of fall into that category of not so much. I'm just wound a little too tightly and a simple boo as I round a corner can cause me to jump and scream. Honestly, if I just see someone in a room when I wasn't expecting to them, that also might cause me to jump and scream. I know there's something physiological to this. I understand, at least on a super basic level, the fight or flight response that people get when we get scared. I know when we're scared, our bodies are flooded with adrenaline, which in turn causes our heart to race and our blood pressure to soar. Our body is just doing its job and frankly, it's doing it well. Our heart increases because it needs to send more blood to our muscles and to our brain, and our lungs are breathing faster in order to get enough oxygen into our body, which is truly helpful in truly threatening situations when we might actually need our muscles and brain to save our lives. Being afraid basically sets off this chain reaction. It's truly amazing when you think about it. Some people love this feeling of the adrenaline rush and may even seek out activities to perpetuate it, like bungee jumping or skydiving or roller coasters, stuff like that. People who engage in extreme sports where risk-taking is par for the course are like that as well, which par for the course is probably a bad idiom, throwing back to golf, which isn't really an extreme sport. I'm kind of thinking of sports more along the lines of crashed ice. Even the name, seriously, crashed ice. It isn't even successful ice. Or Good job, ice. Have you ever seen it? St. Paul, Minnesota hosted it here in America for a number of years. I think it was from about 2011 to last year, 2018. This year, America's, it's going to be held in Boston. So if you live there, near there, go. For those of you who don't know about it, crashed ice is a downhill ice cross event. It's like ski cross or snowboard cross, which you may have seen in the Olympics or something, only instead of on a snow track and on skis or on a snow track on snowboards, it's with ice skates on an ice track. The skater skate in a skater's going to skate. The skater skate in a city somewhere. It's always held in an urban environment. It's on a track that has super sharp turns and really high vertical drops. Kenny and I went a couple of times when it was held in St. Paul. We could stand right at the edge of the track and could actually feel wind whisk by our faces as a racer sped past. And I was actually getting that whole fight or flight thing just standing there. I was imagining the racers taking the turns too fast and flipping up over the side of the track and landing on us. I know, ridiculous. These racers found ways to manage and direct their fight and flight responses, much like many other athletes have learned to do athletes, and also men and women who have careers in things like firefighting, where their job requires them to actually run toward the danger as opposed to running away from it. They too have learned how to direct these fight or flight responses. Here's my deal though. If one was to look up a panic attack definition, you might find something that sounds familiar. The definition I found was this, a panic attack is the abrupt onset of intense fear or discomfort that reaches a peak within minutes and includes at least four of the following symptoms. Palpitations, pounding heart, or accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling, or shaking, shortness of breath, or smothering. So, As one who has suffered from panic attacks and anxiety in the past, and who currently every once in a while might have one rear its ugly head, I choose to avoid adrenaline rushes as much as possible, which is exactly why I had to ask my boys to open my closet door and the state patrol to look under my car. When my husband and I lived in Wilmer, Minnesota, we had a home that was built in 1900. We loved it. We loved its uniqueness. We loved the large staircase that led up from the front entry and the smaller staircase that went down the back of the house from the bedrooms into a little back porch off of the kitchen. We loved the woodwork throughout, the big wood pocket doors, the pillars that divided the living room and the dining room, and the large bedrooms with these cut glass windows. We loved all this. The house had character and charm, but it also had a few bats. I hate bats. I thought everybody hated bats until recently I heard of somebody who went and visited a bat cave, not like the bat cave with Batman and Robin, but a real bat cave that was in the earth and housed real bats. They chose to go there. Our house didn't have bats like that, not like piles and piles. Not family units, as far as I know, but every once in a while, a bat would show its ugly face and I would be paralyzed. I feel the same way about mice, but since mice can't fly, I can trick myself into feeling safe around them by standing up on chairs or tables or counters or whatever else I can find. I think in the 19 years we lived in our house, we had four bats. One bat. Every five years or so. Not bad, I know. But When you're looking at one, you're not thinking of the four years you haven't seen one. You're just thinking, oh my gosh, this is the year, this is the day, ah, this is the bat. One particular evening, I remember I had put the younger kids to bed and the older two were hanging out and playing in their room. I was in my bed reading. I heard a high-pitched kind of scratching, squeaking noise. I ignored it for a bit because it just came and went. It would start and then stop, and then start and then stop. And then it went again. I heard the kids jumping around in their room. They were laughing and having fun. And I thought, maybe it's coming from there. But when it started and stopped, I realized, nope, it is not. It did not. It wasn't. It was definitely coming from my room. I waited to hear it again. And before long, I did. The kids were jumping around and laughing and in their room. And I was in my room, serious, and still, and staring straight ahead at my closet door. Oh my gosh, it's coming from my closet, this high-pitched, squeaky, scratchy sound. And then I saw it, in my mind's eye, I imagined this bat clinging to a shelf, using its tiny little nails to hold itself up, scrambling, trying to find a more comfortable spot, and squeaking and scratching all the while, making me more and more uncomfortable in my bed. I knew it was a bat. I couldn't see it, but I knew it. And then the noise stopped. And it didn't start and stop. I imagined the bat died. I imagined it fell from its perch and landed nestled into one of my sweaters. I imagined myself grabbing a sweater one day and, while opening it up, have a bat drop to my feet while I was unfolding it. My heart was racing. I was breathing faster. I do not want that to happen. And then I heard the squeaking and scratching again. I was so glad it was not dead in my sweater, but I still needed to figure out how to kill it and where I could see it. Kenny was gone for the night at a junior high retreat. So I went into the boys' room and told them about the problem. Then I went to the garage. I got two tennis rackets, big garden gloves, and a brand new large garbage bag. I went back into the boys' room and told them about the solution. We are going to go into my room, and we will shut both doors. Our room had a smaller room attached to it that we used as an office. I told them, I'm going to give you each a tennis racket and a pair of these gloves. I am going to open my closet door and I will run out of my room as quickly as possible and I will shut the door behind me. Then I will run down the hall. I will run into the bathroom and will also shut that door behind me as well. In the meantime, you two are gonna swat at the bat with these tennis rackets until it's dead. Then you can use your gloves to pick it up. You will throw the bat away into this large garbage bag and the gloves into the garbage bag. You will tie it up and you will throw it into the garbage can outside. I'll be able to see you at the garbage can from the bathroom window, at which time I will come out and give you each $5. We began the plan. We went down the hall from their room. We went to my room. We opened the door to my room. They got in with their gloves and their tennis rackets. I ran out, shutting the door behind me. I ran down the hall, ran into the bathroom, and shut the door behind me as well. And I waited. I looked out the window. I didn't see anything. After a bit of time had passed, the boys wandered out of my room, closing the door behind them, down the hall, knocked on the bathroom door, Mom, there wasn't a bat. Oh, crap, it probably is in one of my sweaters then. I thanked them for trying. I told them, you have about 10 more minutes before you need to go to bed. I went back into my room. I saw they had shut my closet door again, and I was trying to decide what to do about the tennis rackets and the stuff, and I heard the squeaking and scratching again. Oh, I went closer to the closet. I prayed. I prayed. I slowly opened the door a crack and saw nothing. Well, I saw my messy closet. I actually took note of the piles of shoes on the floor. I noticed my sweaters folded up in the shelves. I noticed a few I had just thrown up there, and I was curious. I also noticed there was a hanger that at some point had lost its place on the rod, made its way onto the sleeve of one of my shirts. It was sticking out a little bit. I closed the door slowly. And the metal hanger hit the mirror that was on the back of my closet door. It squeaked and it scratched. And I had a realization. I opened the door again and I manually moved the hanger against the glass. I found my bat! I realized that as the guys were jumping around in their room, there was just enough vibration in our home on the other side of the wall that it was making the clothes move in my closet, allowing the rogue hanger to impersonate a bat. Oh, my goodness. That is not at all what I had imagined. A few years later, my daughter and I were driving home from a volleyball tournament one day. She had to get there early and she rode up with some teammates. I came later to watch her play and we were going to drive home together. She was in high school at the time. We were about halfway home, it was dark. And the roads are pretty empty. We are just tooling along, listening to some CD. And before I could react, I saw a cat or some other animal about that size come from the right shoulder and try to cross the road right in front of me. It misjudged the speed of my 2004 Red Ford Focus, and I wasn't able to swerve away. I was on a two-lane road with oncoming traffic next to me, coming toward me, and a very narrow shoulder to the right. I heard a bump. I looked at Greta and said, I think I hit it, but I'm not sure. I did hit my brakes then to slow myself down, but I didn't know what the best thing was to do. I looked behind me. I didn't see anything on the road, so I just kept driving. After a few minutes, we heard a weird thumpy noise coming from under the car. It wasn't rhythmic. It was just an occasional thump to thump I thought it was gone. It would come back again, and again it would start, and again it would stop. And then I thought, I know what it is. I imagined this cat, squirrel, or whatever animal, when I hit it, had gotten wrapped up inside my engine. I imagined it clinging to life and trying to find a good grip on engine parts to ride it out until this fast-moving thing finally stopped. So I pulled over at a wide part of the shoulder. I wanted it to dash away. Greta and I looked at our side mirrors and saw nothing. I figured I should probably get out and shine a flashlight under the engine and see, but I was afraid. I was imagining the cat under my car, and the cat that I imagined looked like the cartoon cats you've seen, with all four limbs in a spread eagle position and the hair standing out like static electricity has gotten the best of them and a crazed look in its eyes. I imagined this freaky-looking cat would, as soon as I shined a flashlight on it, freak out itself, release its grip on my engine, and would grab hold of my face. I asked Greta if she wanted to look under the engine. She didn't. We started driving slowly along the shoulder, and I heard it again. I thought, "Ah, I probably should just stay there until this thing finds its way to freedom. If it goes to the right. Or it's sudden death if it tried the road route again. We didn't have to wait long. I mean, we didn't have to wait long until the state patrol drove up behind us. He parked his car, turned on his lights, made his way to my window... I unrolled it and looked up. Oh, I knew him. He went to my church. I told him my problem. I think I hit a cat or something, and I think it's still lodged in my engine, and it's making a thumping noise, and I'm afraid to look under it because I think it might claw my face. He he said he'd check it out. He walked along the shoulder, laid down on the ground, took his large flashlight, shined it up in the engine, and after a bit returned. Well? I asked him, did you find it? He said, well, I did find something and he handed me a little piece of plastic, about four inches by three inches. He said, that's probably the cause of the noise. Oh my goodness, that was not at all what I had imagined. Did you know that this is one of the reasons why Jesus came at Christmas? It's why God himself took on human flesh and made his dwelling among us. People could imagine God. They could make up all kinds of things about him. Some had facts based on what they had read or their ancestors had told them. Some had basic understandings. But without Christ, we all would have been left to fill in most of the gaps ourselves. Christ came as the exact representation of God himself because Christ is God. We got to see God for who he really was. Jesus showed us that God is a God of compassion. He cares about how you feel. Read Mark and you'll see this time and time again. It says, and Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus also showed us that God is a God of peace who wants to unite, bring people together, bring fellowship, bring together mankind and their creator. He wants to get rid of discord and animosity. Jesus showed us that God is the everlasting father from time past to time eternal. Jesus told his disciples and others who were around listening that he came from the father, and then he was going to be going back to the Father. And he told us that he and the Father were one. Jesus showed us that God is a God who cares for the outcast. Jesus reached out to the fringe of his community. He brought children and women and the poor and widows and Samaritans and lepers around him. And he loved them with conversations, healing, and his presence. Jesus showed us that God is a God who calls out spiritual abuse and self-righteousness. We saw Jesus flip the tables. We saw Jesus point to the spiritual disconnect between those who elevated regulations in religion over and against relationship. He called those who did so whitewashed tombs. Without the gift of Jesus, without the gift of God making his dwelling among us, we might have been afraid of God. Perhaps if we didn't know what God was like, we might have imagined him angry. Some people imagine God to be at best disinterested and at worst sadistic and punitive. Our imaginations could have run wild and been ill-informed leaving us with anxiety and panic with the desire to either run from God or fight against him. Jesus showed us truth, and by doing so, he erased our fight-or-flight response to God and invited us instead to live a life in relationship with him. I am so thankful for Christmas and all it represents. I am so thankful that God came near and made his dwelling among us, allowing the world to behold his glory and know him better. And oh my goodness, he is not at all what I imagined. He is so much more.